Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, back here on the Extra Point Show. Sal Capaccio, Sneaky Joe, DiBiase. We got Chris Trapasso. We'll get to in just a moment. Let's first go to Walter in Toronto. Hi, Walter. Thanks for holding, man. What's up? No worries. Uh, good morning. I'm just uh, wondering uh, what you guys think, whether this uh, firing um, was something that had been in the works like a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so, or or do you think it was a bit of a, a knee-jerk reaction to that loss to Denver? You know, that was a that was an embarrassing loss, a 12-man, and, you know, I'd never seen McDermott that upset, like – and I think if Brady gets the full-time job for next year, then then I think it was definitely in the works. If he doesn't get the job, then maybe it was more like a knee-jerk reaction. What do you guys think about that? I mean, well, first of all, we're way you know way short of that happening. But no, I don't. I, here's what I think, Walter. I guess the answer, just in generalities, like this is a audition for. Uh, Joe Brady, and I mean, I'm sure Sean McDermott was growing frustrated with what was happening. I don't think it was necessarily in the works, as you say. I don't know that for the last few weeks, like some behind the scenes, we're going to make this replacement and don't tell anybody secret thing. I don't think it was some conspiracy going on. Uh, but knee jerk? I mean, are you going to say it wasn't justified? No, no, I definitely think it was justified, but they had been so loyal to to, to all their sure. personnel. Like after 13 seconds, you know, I mean, McDermott would as way not to throw anybody under the bus. I mean, including him, I guess could have been, but I, I think it was somebody else. So I think the whole loyalty thing. You know, I mean, he's a he's a class guy, McDermott. I don't I don't always agree with his coaching philosophy or decisions, but he's always been a class guy. And, and for him to say, "Oh, I got confidence, but we got to do better," I. I mean, well, you know, because that's that's just the respect he's throwing to you know his assistant coaches. I do want to ask Joe before I get to Chris, though. Hmm. Joe, what does do you think what does Joe Brady need to do to actually be like what does it look like for him to actually get the coordinator job is it as simple as win enough games score a certain amount of points I mean how do you think that works like because they're mm. this is interim they're not going to name a full-time OC until the offseason I'm sure I, I think it's yeah like I don't know if I want to put an exact like number on it or ranking or like even even record like to me the offense it basically See, you see a change from now till the end of the year where games don't go repeatedly, where the defense seems like they're doing all that they can, and they lose because they're not scoring enough points. Like if they start losing games because their broken defense can't stop Mahomes and Jalen Hurts and the Cowboys and J- Justin Herbert, like I don't think that's gonna, that's not going to be on Joe Brady. 
But if their offense starts putting together 30-plus point performances again and Allen looks more comfortable and the turnovers start to go down and guys look like they're more open, like that to me is it. So maybe that's a little bit of a feel thing. But I I don't feel like the bar is that high. If, if they look the same... Mm-hmm. Then I, I don't think he's back. I don't. Th- I don't know how. If they don't look like they're any different, no. even though there would be a defense for Brady of, you know, like well, you can't really put your own stamp on it too much because it's midway through the year. Even with that, if they don't look any different, I, I don't. I don't. I think you got to do almost a whole new offensive staff or at least a new offensive coordinator. It's an interesting spot for Joe Brady to be in. Let's learn more about the Bills' new interim offensive coordinator from Chris Trapasso. Wrote a nice article today I read at CBSSports.com. Chris joins us on the Western Hotline right now. Uh, Chris, thanks a lot. Uh, I, I saw your article, so I reached out this morning. Short notice. We appreciate it here. What What can you tell us about what you found when you went back and looked at Joe Brady's offense on that record-setting, incredible LSU team of 2019? Foremost spread a lot more wide receivers being utilized and for bills fans can kind of harken back to the Chan Gailey era when the bills didn't necessarily have a murderer's row at the wide receiver spot. They had, you know, Stevie Johnson and David Nelson and Donald Jones, late round picks and undrafted guys, but gave Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, big throwing lanes and CJ Spiller and Fred Jackson, a lot of rushing lanes because the defense was spread out. Joe Brady was hired at LSU before that 2019 season with Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase, when they set all these records, they went 15-0, and won the national title, to install spread-style offense from what he had learned under, ironically, Sean Payton and Drew Brees. That was an offense that was very spread in, in terms of what you would normally see in the NFL. A fair amount of motion, too. Um, even in 2020, when he had Teddy Bridgewater as his quarterback in his first stint as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Um, That team motioned on pass plays almost 50% of the time, which was a pretty high rate um, in the NFL or just by NFL standards. So I think those are the two biggest overarching things that a lot of shotgun, more spread, and maybe that means more Receivers, the Bills have kind of gone to that of late with Dawson Knox out and kind of ventured away from all the 12 personnel that they talked about in the offseason and deployed early in the year. But definitely pass-happy, spread, and motion were the three biggest kind of core takeaways that I – just from researching Joe Brady's offense and watching some of that film from those couple of seasons. Joe, you – we've all talked about the under-center shotgun thing, and Chris says – more shotgun here. Yeah. I don't know if that's what Bills fans want to hear necessarily because the Bills have been very good under center, right? You've looked at these numbers and you've seen it. I was just They're better that under up. center. I was just pulling that up. They were, especially on Monday, um, on Monday they were 4 for 4 for 61 yards and a touchdown mm. from under center, Allen was. And then in the shotgun they were 11 for 21, 116 yards and two picks. But like, that that's, I wonder, has that been a forever thing like for you, Chris? Like, because... When I think of Allen at his best in those two Dable years, I mean, they're under center, or, or excuse me, they're in the shotgun all the time with like three or four receivers spread out, and that it worked then. Yeah. I think the solution to the Bills' rut that they're in is just going under center. Um, but you're right that to point out on Monday night, Josh Allen and the offense just worked better that way. I think – in general, while you're seeing the Dan Orblowski's and that uh, 
lot of us are mentioning that maybe they should be under center more is just because, and certainly Sale would know this from his time coaching, that it just presents a lot more to the defense. It, it's You're going to have more run formations. Play action seems to work a little bit better. I'm not sure if the analytics kind of align there, but when you're under center with two tight ends and it looks like a run play, you put the ball out. Chris, we're losing you, buddy. Up, oh, Chris, you there? Okay, we lost you for a second. Go ahead. We got you, Chris. Uh, we, we might have to reconnect. I know with Chris, he's, I we're gonna have to reconnect with Chris. Hey, you know what? Let's let's take James and West Seneca while yeah. Chris does that. Go ahead, James. Uh, can you hear me? Yep, we got you, Chris. Yeah, go we ahead. Thanks for holding. All right, yeah, thanks. Uh, so I got a couple of questions. When you said um, that the offense and defense kind of coexisted together, they both got to scratch each other's back. I mean, would we be talking about if let's just say we're scoring thirty points and our defense is giving up thirty points, right? And our offense is scoring, but our defense continues. Like Josh Allen's taking it down the field, getting ahead of the game in the fourth quarter. Defense is letting us down. Would we be mad at Sean McDermott taking over this defensive call? Because, I mean, it's like that in my eyes. It's just that he's we're not scoring as many points. Yes, I believe we're very predictable on offense. And I, I'm not saying that this wasn't justified. Mm-hmm. I just think – Sean McDermott, in high-pressure situations, he doesn't handle it well. Things are too fast for him. He can't slow it down. He doesn't have the right coaching staff around him to help him in that scenario. I mean, in Denver's situation, they kicked that quick field goal before the second half. When they're taking a knee down, you know that quick field goal is going to come into play again, or at least you have to have an inkling of that. So why waste the timeout? In that situation, why not save that timeout for the, hey, let's get the right person. Let's attempt to block this kick because we didn't do it at halftime. Like, I just feel there's too many scenarios that Sean McDermott, he can't handle the big pressure situations, these close games. He's great when we're blowing teams out. He's not so good in my eyes when it has to be close. He just, I think he's looking for excuses now. I think now it's before it's like, oh, we'll give him a break. We'll give him now. He's looking for excuses. I mean, like on the on the original point before quickly getting on the field goal. I mean, if by the way, that's probably going to happen. Like they're probably going to start giving up around thirty points a game. There maybe not every game, but it's going to happen. I mean, they've been doing a great job as of late. But here comes Jalen Hurts and Mahomes and the Cowboys and the Chargers and the Dolphins. Like they've got some great offenses that they still have to play. So. To me, that puts more onus on the offense, and maybe that's why you do it now. It's here comes the games where we got to score. After the Jet game, you're going to have to score big coming up. So more onus on the offense, You know, maybe that's part of the reason why you do it now. Quickly on the field goal, I mean, I'm not jumping to that with McDermott. There's another game here where you can mention it, and you'll always have 13 seconds, so there will always be people who want to jump onto that because it's happened a couple of times. Does it happen every game? No. But I thought it was a bad job. On Monday. If we're just going to talk that game specifically, to me there was no earthly reason why the field goal block team shouldn't have been out there on second or third down because they knew Denver was going to kneel it twice and then kick a field goal. There's no earthly reason that, I'm sorry, say it again, that who should be out there? There was no reason that you had, that they should have waited to sub until the fourth down mm-hmm. play. They had two timeouts. Right. They knew the Broncos were you. kneeling down. They had 60 seconds twice 
to make their changes beforehand. Again, because yeah. if they do that, is is Denver then going to run a play? No, they were going to kneel it no matter what. Right, and 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 it, it's really it's still mostly defensive players anyway out there. Even though you're right. actually going to field goal block, like right. those are defensive guys. I went through it. I charted everybody who was on the field. I don't think there's one offensive player out there anyway. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, so it's not like right. They're going to go into the shotgun and uh oh, now I've got Gabe Davis on the field. So, like that that right. that wasn't the situation. <laughs> no, that's right. That's a good point. Um, let's go out to thank you very much, James, for the phone call. Let's go back out to Chris Trapasso on the West. Her hotline, a better connection here. Um, Chris. When you look at Joe Brady's time at Carolina, though, and for, actually, you know, before I ask you that, Chris, let me go back to your, your point about them at LSU and what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. How much of that, though, is, you know, when we look at this, we go, dude, like, I don't know. This guy had the greatest offensive talent in the world to ever work with, which you did point out in your article, by the way. So we kind of have to take that into consideration here when we look at it. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you're if there's one thing that you can take away that was the the staple of that LSU offense that they were in 11 or 10 personnel. So that's three or four wide receivers on the field, like 95% of Joe Burrow's dropbacks. And that speaks directly to your point sale. Justin uh, Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, who was a second round pick. Um, It probably was personnel based. And again, like no one knows until we see it on Sunday against the Jets, like how Joe Brady will kind of evolve and and maybe say, maybe I should be under center a little bit more. And maybe I don't need to have, you know, 11 and 12 personnel on every snap for Josh Allen, given the roster makeup, but just based on his tendency, he did kind of lean shotgun, definitely lean spread and using a lot of wide receivers with a fair amount of motion. When he was in Carolina, he was kind of, wasn't he, was it one of the issues Joe, I think you brought this up earlier. Wasn't one of the issues that maybe Matt Rule wanted him to run more than he ran, and yeah. he threw the ball. I looked. More? I looked back that that year, they were eleventh in the league in neutral situation pass rate, and this is a team that had Teddy Bridgewater and then Sam Darnold and then broken Cam Newton as their quarterback. And like the game before he got fired, and it's only one game, but before Joe Brady got fired, they got crushed. And they had Christian McCaffrey only getting 10 carries, while, again, Walker and Cam Newton combined for, like, 35 attempts. Like, they threw it a lot. But anyways. Chris, I'm sorry. I don't know if you want to respond to that at all, just what oh, yeah, happened no, sure. when he was in no, Carolina no, no. with I think that's you know, a good point. throwing the ball as much. Yeah, so I didn't even, in my article at CBS Sports, I didn't even include the 2021 season for okay. a lot of reasons. Just like Joe mentioned that, Three different quarterbacks. Uh, Christian McCaffrey didn't play a ton. Um, and, like, actually he was hurt a fair amount, only played three games in 2020. But if you look back at, at old articles, Charlotte Observer, there was, like, very public, like, back and forth between Matt Rule and his offensive coordinator that they became, like, one of the run-heaviest teams in the NFL. I don't necessarily okay. think that that's an indication that, that Joe Brady – wants to be that guy I think by year two things weren't going well Matt Rule was starting to feel the heat as well as an unsuccessful head coach that he really put his foot down and said we need to run the football more Um, maybe because the quarterbacks weren't very good but again and to Sale's point having Burrow Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase on the same field in the SEC kind of seems like an unfair it uh, you know kind of luxury to have just in terms of overall talent but when he's had decent to very good quarterbacks with, you know, Teddy Bridgewater in his late 20s at the time in 2020, and then Burrow at LSU, 
he's definitely been very pass-heavy, which I get it that against the Broncos, the Bills did run the football very well. It was their most efficient running game, I thought, in in a very long time, and I think statistically Mm -hmm. that was true. But in general, this Bills team should want Josh Allen to be throwing the football. We will, again, see how much under center there is, how much he runs, but I think it's better in today's NFL with your quarterback as Josh Allen to have a new offensive coordinator coming in that has that experience and that you know tendency of being very pass happy in those neutral situations. Chris, you do the practice squad rankings, so I think it's a perfect question for you. Is there somebody the Browns can grab on another practice squad? Somebody who fits, you know, what they might want to do? Maybe a connection to Stefanski somewhere along the line. That might be their option here. We're talking about guys coming out of the booth, right? Like Matt Ryan or Tom Brady yeah. coming back. I I think their best option is probably somebody who's playing football right now. Who knows? But is there anybody in the practice squad they could look at? There's not a quarterback that I've had in my practice squad power rankings uh, that really stands out. Um, there's probably like a veteran somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Shane Bichelle on the Bills practice squad could be someone that, that like they could look at because he's pretty mobile, has a decent arm, spent time in Kansas City. It's not the exact same system, Andy Reid mm-hmm. to Kevin Stefanski, but someone that's been in the NFL, is not a statue in the pocket, and they certainly like to do those play-action bootlegs a little bit, um, that they could just at least bring into the mix in case there are any injuries to P.J. Walker or Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I really wonder if they're going to start calling retired guys, right? They might be. Like Matt, Matt <laughs> is Matt Ryan officially retired? Like I know he's doing CBS stuff. I don't think so. Like he, he is. He would come back to play for a team. I thought earlier in the year. What's he's that? Like I'm ready. To, I'm ready to play for someone. Yeah. Oh, okay. And li- and listen, like if you're an older quarterback like that, like what's maybe the number one thing you want? Isn't it an offensive line that's not going to get me destroyed? And Cleveland and a great defense, yeah, yeah, and like Cleveland's. I, the, Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. I know they've had injuries in the O-line, but I think they still have a great unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Matt Ryan. All right, nice. Chris. Thanks a lot, buddy. Uh, tell everybody where they can find that article and your work. I thought it was interesting this morning what you laid out about Joe Brady. It's at CBSSports.com. You can just Google my name. Just Google Chris Trapasso CBS Sports. It'll be the first article that pops up. just shows his tendencies and philosophies. <laughs> just, again, spread offense, a lot of wider throwing lanes. And to Joe's point earlier, what <laughs> – should happen just based on his history at LSU and Carolina, more receivers open to not only just make clear target lines for Josh Allen, but maybe create more opportunities after the catch, which I think has been a problem for the Bills over the last couple seasons. By the way, Chris, right, I'm still doing yeah, the uh, the the ice shower thing, not the ice okay. bath yet. 
I it, I love it. Yeah. Great, great. That's awesome because you're working early in the morning and working throughout the day, so you need that sustained energy that you can get from those yeah. ice showers. I, I haven't gone all the way in yet and bought like an ice tub or anything, but okay. Um, it, <laughs> listen, fa- family. Wait a minute. Members, are you telling me, guys? Uh, are you telling me the Bills' offensive personnel needs ice showers every morning? That's what will fix that everything. Would help. I think that would uh, help. I really do. Probably, probably would. I might just need Josh Allen to start eating on game days, but I'm only half kidding when I say that. <laughs> Maybe that's what they do on that's what they need on Sundays when they wake up before for yeah. a game. Now they're playing every Sunday for a while. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you, man. Yep. Thanks, guys. All right, you got it, Chris Trapasso, right there. Uh, it's really funny. Someone I'm just reading, um, Cleveland Browns awful announcing said their best option for replacing Deshaun Watson might be in the broadcast booth, and there's a picture of Matt Ryan along with. Yeah, I think it's Tiki Barber and Andrew Catalan, and some of the responses are, "I don't know how Andrew Catalan's going to help the Browns right now," <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's obviously they, Matt Ryan. I don't think Matt Ryan is officially retired, though. I don't think he is either. And man, let's eliminate the Colts season last year. I mean, I, maybe you shouldn't do that entirely, but they could not protect him, and he is again. He was never mobile in the first place. He is as much of a statue as you could find in the league today if he comes back. But two years ago. With Atlanta, I mean, the guy threw 4,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 picks, had a pretty solid QBR. Like, he can't come in there and be better than P.J. Walker or Dorian Thompson-Robinson with that offensive line. Like, I, 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 don't, think the, I don't think he's got to do that much. you got to hand the ball off, run some play action, and not turn the football over. Isn't that all the Cleveland quarterback has to do? I think so, yeah, Absolutely. Um, Joe, before we get to the timeout and then Paul Hamilton on the Western Hotline at Sabres practice, one other narrative buster I've been thinking about and before it slips my mind. I think at least now C.J. Stroud can get everyone, or hopefully, to stop saying Ohio State quarterbacks never work out in the NFL, don't draft one. That is that and I think forever we can take that whatever S2 cognitive test and just shoot it into the sun. From now on, because remember he had that really low score. Oh, the guy can't read defenses because he took a test and and graded really poorly on it. And he's out there, I mean, doing it better than any any rookie on the field, easily. He's, yeah. Oh, the Ohio State thing, though, is definitely right, because we had gone a couple in a row there where it didn't look so hot, and he's just going to break that. All right, we'll take a timeout. Paul Hamilton from Sabres Practice. More on the Tage Thompson injury and last night's loss to the Bruins. Up next on WGR. Marchand is stood up by Darlene, who backed right into him. And now here come the troops. Last night, Sabres 5-2 loss to the Boston Bruins. That was the best moment of the night. Measly. I mean, that thing got out of hand quickly, right? I mean, bam, bam, down 2 nothing within the first, what, six minutes of the game, I think it might have been. That has been the last two games. The last two games I've attended were that. Philly, where they got down 2 nothing in like three minutes, and then last night where, yeah, I told my wife, I'm like, we probably aren't staying till the third. And then it felt like we should, <laughs> you might stay, might leave even earlier than that. Yeah, it's actually a good lead into my first question with Paul, who joins us right now on the Western Hotline. Paul Hamilton, as always, 
His appearances on WGR are brought to you by Equitable Advisors. Thinking about today and planning for tomorrow by Raylax Honda. Raylax, we got this. You can hear Paul's at practice in the background there. Uh, my question is, Paul, why is this team struggling to score? I mean, that, that's been their identity for, you know, last year. They were amongst the league leaders in goals for. And it just, you know, the last two games, they get a couple late yesterday to get two goals, have two goals in the last two games total. Yeah, it looked like they were getting it rolling, you know, for a bit. For about, uh, why well, they have like 19 goals in four games, and uh, it, it seemed like they finally were figuring it out and, uh, you know, how to how to get goals again. And uh, now they're back to not being able to score goals again. I think some of it is the emphasis on trying to improve the defense. They knew that if they were going to do anything or go anywhere this year that they couldn't have the same t- type of defense that they had last year. So I think there's been a lot of concentration on that. There was a lot of concentration on the penalty kill. Uh, now there's more on the power play because the power play, that too was very good last year. Everything's kind of reversed. The penalty kill was horrific last year, and the power play was great. Now the penalty kill, not recently, maybe the last three or four games it hasn't been as good, but for the most part this season has been one of the best in the NHL, and the power play has been one of the worst in the NHL. And... You know, so they're not giving up as many goals as they did last year, but they certainly aren't even close to scoring goals. And a lot of it, guys, I think is, you know, is they only have like four or five guys who are contributing to the offense. Mm-hmm. You have to have secondary scoring, and they're just getting none of it. And well, until last night, finally Olison got a couple of goals, uh, but uh, you know, you only have one out of Krebs. You don't have any out of Oposo. You only have a couple out of Gergensons. Uh, you only have one out of Jost. Uh, you know, you, the bottom six forwards have to be able to contribute something, and they're just getting absolutely nothing out of that. So it's like, well, if Skinner, Thompson, Tuck, and Middlestat, and, and Cousins also has been slumping until last night. I thought he had a really nice game last night, but he, he, he seemed lost after, for a while. Uh, when you're just getting absolutely nothing out of the rest of them, you know, that, that, that's not going to work for you. Now we know Tage Thompson is going to be out, as Don Granado said to Joe and Jeremy this morning, could be a little over a month. We are talking weeks, so they're going to be without their one of their top players, and he's a guy that's been very good on the penalty kill. Where do they go from here? We heard Granado talk about Cousins stepping up, Middlestat stepping up, as you were talking about Cousins a little while ago. I mean, how do they piece this together without Tage and now without Alex Tuck as well, by the way? Yeah, that's the same thing I was thinking last night when I was writing the article about it, that you know, they, last year when Thompson missed four games, they actually went three zero and one. But he's going to miss more than four this year, and a lot of that was Middlestat stepped into his line and was fantastic. I mean, that line was really going it on all cylinders with uh, Tuck and Skinner, and it went really well for them. And and Middlestat, uh, you know, continued that even after Thompson got back because Thompson moved. He he stayed on that line. Thompson, uh, really, with the injury he had, couldn't play center, so he was over on the wing on, on playing on another line. So they're very familiar with that, and Cousins is very familiar being in the number two center position. Last year I thought he did it extremely well, and I think that's one of the reasons he seems lost because now Casey Middlestad is their number two center, and Don Granato just puts Cousins everywhere. I mean, mm. it's it's like... For, he's on the same line for two shifts, and he's on another line. Then he's center. Then he's right wing. And I kind of get it why he's a little bit, you know, out of sorts. 
with, with what's going on. So this is a good chance, too, to get him rolling. And uh, just, all right, you're the number two center out there. This is going to be your position. This is going to be your line. And uh, I thought, finally, last night, I thought he was back to being Dylan Cousins. In terms of the power play, Paul, they've been struggling so much. And now you take Thompson away on that left wall, which is over last year especially was their most dangerous weapon, that one-timer. Do you have any idea, and maybe they're even doing a practice, like what their answer is going to be there, like who jumps up to the top unit? We'll see. I mean, they just started practice okay. uh, a few minutes ago. And by the way, Alex Tuck is not down there. <laughs> okay. Um, I do not believe I see – I'm up top. I do not believe I see Henry Yokiharu. People are wondering why. They do not have numbers during practice. So i got to go by mannerisms and that type of thing from who I'm seeing up here. I do not – he was sick yesterday and wasn't able to play, and I do not believe I see him out there either. So uh, those two are not practicing, and that would really be – they're hoping to have Tuck back by Friday in Winnipeg, and if you're missing Thompson and Tuck against a team that just beat the New Jersey Devils six to three, that that'll be a tall order. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure they're hoping to get Tuck back for practice tomorrow, and maybe get him back in the lineup for Friday's game against Winnipeg. Paul Hamilton here on the Wester Hotline. All right, Paul. I know this is like these kinds of things that they, it runs rampant on social media, stuff like that, but. I think we have to talk about Patrick Kane and ask about if this organization would be willing to do something like that, especially now given the situation at forward and where it lies. And there's been a lot of talk out there, even people who you know uh, cover this league and have mentioned the Sabres along with what the Rangers, the Panthers, the Red Wings. What's your interpretation of if the Sabres would do something like that and if that might happen? Well, Kane met with the Toronto Maple Leafs yesterday. Uh, he's looking to win a Stanley Cup. And that would not fit the Buffalo Sabres this year. Now, if there's no cup contender that wants to sign him, then I think the Sabres would be in the running, definitely. But, um, you know, I think he's going to look for a team that's ready to win a Stanley Cup before he does anything about, you know, well, I'd like to maybe play for the Sabres or something like that. So I think he will look into that first. He's 35 years old, so it's not like, he has the time to become a Buffalo Sabre and hang out with the Sabres until they win a cup. I mean, yeah, maybe he does, but that that's what, two years, three years minimum, you know, the, the, you know until they, they get to that point. So um, I, I don't think that's his number one priority right now. It's, it's for winning a cup. And let's say he wants a three-year deal. I would doubt Kevin Adams wants to give him a three-year deal or something something on those lines. So hmm. you never say never, and it could happen. But right now, I think he's looking for cup contenders. Yeah, and, and if if they were interested and he were interested maybe like in the summer, Paul, I mean, if that's true, like he, he wants a competitor or wants a contender, I mean, we're, we're watching the team too. He's probably watching the team. And – the start they're on, I don't really think would give him or anyone that much confidence that they are they're ready to make that jump. I mean, we're all waiting for it to happen, and I'm still optimistic that it can happen this year. But I, I do wonder if their start has taken them out of the running, uh, if, if you will. Yeah, and even with a good start, I don't think anybody has aspirations that the Sabres were going to be a, a cup winner this year. I think playoffs, yes. Maybe even win a round or two, maybe. But I don't think anybody was thinking. Maybe they were. I won't speak for other people. But I certainly wasn't 
didn't have any ideas at all that this Buffalo Sabres were Stanley Cup contenders this year. Now, if they do, they, still through this all, they're only one point out of a playoff spot. You know, as poorly as they play, have played at times and recently, they're still only one point out of a playoff spot. So they're right there. It's not like they've fallen way behind. They're right there. So if they make the playoffs and do, you know, win around or look good in the playoffs and look like they're improving, you're right. Maybe if he signs a one-year deal with somebody uh, this year, maybe in the summertime the Sabres would be an option at that point. And that, by the way, I don't know if we talk about this enough, Paul, like that injury, like there is risk there. Like there's no guarantee that he's going to have multiple years left. That's why the idea of a three-year deal to me is just like, complete and utter non-starter if that's what it takes because reading more about that injury like Nicholas Backstrom he's maybe done in Washington now and Ed Jovanowski's career and Ryan Kessler like there are multiple players who basically had their career end because of this injury so I don't know that doesn't have to mean the same for Kane but anyone that signs him will be signing up for for injury risk and is he still Pat Kane after the injury who knows you know, you, you, I guess you'd have to sign him and get him into practice and get him into games to know if what has this injury done to him as far as his talent, as far as what yep. he can do on the ice. Uh, you know, is he still be, can he still go on the ice and beat Patrick Kane? Or is it going to hinder him? That, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physical therapist. I don't know. I'm not at his practices. So, you know, but there, I think there's risk for any team that signs him because, yep. you know, how do they know? until they actually get sign him and get him in and uh, get him into some games. Paul Hamilton here on the Western Hotline. All right, um, what about Devin Levi last night? Uh, he doesn't play the third period. How did you think he performed? Was this on him? Was this just a collective, hey, we got to change something up? And, you know, what do you think from the rookie goaltender last night? Well, he didn't play well, and it was on the team too. I mean, the team didn't play well either. Uh, you know, the first goal, that that's a rebound he has to he has to – let his body absorb he can't be kicking that rebound out into the slot now it would have been nice if owen power who was standing right next to the goal scorer would have actually covered him instead of standing next to him but uh you know that so there were multiple things on that goal three on one again the sabers got too carried away on that they Allmark came charging out of the net and three sabers and it didn't look like any of them really had a chance and they all went for the puck, and they all went by Allmark, and Allmark just tipped it the other way, and mm. the Bruins go three-on-one, and Pasternak's in the middle of a three-on-one. He's probably going to make some type of a play, either pass or goal, uh, that, that's going to you know wind up scoring. The one-timer, again, is Pasternak. I would love him to make that save, but you're also talking about one of the best goal scorers and shooters in the National Hockey League, who gets a wide-open one-timer in the circle. Um, and he blasts it right right by uh, Levi. So, I, you know, I, I'm sure some people could make the case that he, he should be able to get over and make that make a big save for his team. And if it might have been anybody else on the Bruins roster, I might have agreed. But with that guy, I mean, you give him a wide open one timer and let him load up in the circle. Uh, you know, he's everybody sees what Tage Thompson can do in that circle, and Pasternak is no different. Is Levi Paul for you, like, his season's been up and down at least? Because there was up, right? Like, the Minnesota game, he was fantastic. Um, maybe their best goalie performance all year. It's at least, you know, one of them. 
is he fighting for his role in the rotation? Like, Comrie is back skating. Granado told us this morning he'll go on the trip, and he wouldn't go on the trip if he's not, you know, if he wouldn't be capable of playing on the trip. So, like, if Comrie comes back and looks like he did and Lukanen can perform well, like, it, it, is Levi, I guess, like, having to play well to continue to earn starts? Or is or is he just here and they'll start him no matter what because his development is still uh, an integral piece of their team? Well, Comrie has said he needed a few more practices, which he's gotten. And don't forget, he basically stole a game in Winnipeg last year, played very, very well and against his old team. So it wouldn't shock me if he wound up playing in that game in Winnipeg. Uh, if he gets activated, because he's not on the roster right now, he's still on IR. And, uh, you know, it's tricky, too, because you don't want to send Johnson, Ryan Johnson, back down to Rochester. But you want an extra forward. And when you're going out, out on a trip like that, you, you want an extra forward and an extra D. And if you've got to have an extra goalie, that means Ryan Johnson probably goes back to Rochester. And, you know, if, if, if they get a defense defenseman injured, I think he'd come right back and be playing so i i wouldn't fret too much about that uh fans say well he doesn't deserve that they're right he doesn't deserve to go back to rochester but because of roster if that's how it winds up because you know how much is he going to play with with no injuries on defense right now i don't know how much he'd play anyway so let him play down there if you get an injury call him back and put him in the lineup so uh, you know, that's that's not that big of a deal. But I could see them activating Comrie for that Winnipeg game. Very quickly, is, is this allowed? Are you allowed to paper transaction, paper transaction Johnson to Rochester but also put him on the plane to Winnipeg? You can't do it forever. Okay. What I mean is that's what they were doing with Quinn and Krebs and Paterka. Yeah. Yes. So, what? yes, you can do that, but – Okay. You, you can't do it forever. I okay. Mean, you eventually have to get them down there because those, remember, were just one one game things. Right. You know, they were down there for a game, then come back type of. Then the next guy would go down, and then he come back. So uh, there's nothing wrong with Johnson playing some games down there. Why? You know, why, if if they're healthy on defense, and why have him sitting here? Let let Bryson be the guy who's the extra guy on the trip and. Let Johnson play games, and again, if you get a defenseman injury, then he's the guy that comes up and plays. So, uh, to, to me, it's not hugely complicated. But the thing, when you're when you're out there, yeah. it's, it's it's tough to get a guy from Rochester to Winnipeg, type of a thing. If somebody gets hurt, or but if if they 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 will have to get bring up an extra forward. They they can't go with no extra forwards. So. You know, go go with two D, yeah. no extra forwards. I mean, that's what they've got right now. Very quickly, because I know we're late. Like, they have two games out west here, and you mentioned like, hey, maybe Comrie gets the Winnipeg game. Would they would they send Levi to Rochester? Same thing without actually sending him to Rochester. No, I, I mean that would open so. up your spot for a defenseman if you don't plan on him playing anyway. That's why I'm asking. If you would, if your plan was Comrie then Lukanen, like I guess what's the point of taking Levi on the trip? Yeah. Yeah, but you got three games on the trip, so um, you know I, maybe all three. Would also, play. I think you're, you're right. I think I'm sorry. I just interject I, I missed, here for a second. I missed second. the Washington game. I missed the Washington yeah. game. It's three. Yeah. It's three games. I'm if sorry. I could just I, no, interject here for a no, second, too. I, I'd almost guarantee they wouldn't do. You never say never, but no, I don't think they would do that. Now, if Lukanen and Comrie keep playing really good, and you get inconsistency out of Levi. Maybe he goes down for a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't think that's what they would do. But again, I'll say never say never. 
especially if Comrie and Lukanen continue to play like they've been playing. Uh, you know, you, if, if you wanted to get him down there to get a little bit of consistency into his game. Uh, but you know how, how they talk. And it, it's, it, for some guys, it's like, you know what, we want them to learn here. We don't want to put them in Rochester. Cousins was that way. When Yoki Haru struggled a couple of years ago, I was saying, why don't you just send him down for a bit and just let him get some? No, we think he's better here. Practicing here and playing here, you know, it's certain guys they think are better just being here and not being in Rochester where some others, uh, you know, are, are better developing in Rochester. Yeah, and sorry, guys. I, I also I think that's the point, right, too. If, if you did something like that, guys, like, my gosh. Like, now you're – you do it if you need – if he has to go to Rochester to play, and then we're having a different discussion. I don't think you do it because he need a roster spot. With this guy, this goalie, and what we've been told about him and how they've treated him, I think that would be a really kind of a bad look. You know what I mean? I agree. That's why I say like never that. say never. Yeah. But I agree. I, I would be I would be pretty surprised if that ever happened. It would have to really take gotcha. like him like, oh my gosh, he has not been good. We have to do this. Paul, we gotta go. Thank you for joining us here today. Sabres at Jets on Friday night. Paul Hamilton right there on the Western Hotline. One time out left. We'll come back. We'll wrap up your Wednesday here on the Extra Point Show on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.